Hey folks, Tony Russo here from the So What's Your Story podcast. We're planning a series of live storytelling events starting in March, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. The concept is simple. We're inviting folks to stand up, no notes, and tell a cool story. The event is called Tell Your Story Live. You can find out all about it by visiting our website and clicking on the link. You'll see all the rules and details, as well as a form for you to submit your story idea. Find us at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com. Here's the show. I mean, I think there's a certain amount of forcing that you can do, but I think if it comes to a point where you find yourself just beating it too much, then maybe it is the story, and so maybe it's a good idea to step away and work on something else. I mean, I always have lots of ideas that I want to work on, and I usually have a story that I'm trying to finish and a story that I'm trying to start. I mean, that's where I am right now. I'm kind of in a stuck place, so I have this other play, musical, that I'm kind of involved in that I've been enjoying that process and writing on that, and so that has helped me get me unstuck. And in that process, I've actually had some better ideas about how to work on my Masabi story to get that going better. Maybe sometimes the helpful thing is to sort of step away and work on something else for a little bit to sort of not get you in a place where you feel like you have to force it. Hi, this is Stephanie Fallon. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, their stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have our good friend and fellow author, Jeff Smith, who is joining us again for another Writer's Roundtable. A few months ago, the three of us were just hanging out and talking about writing, and we thought, you know what? We should totally subject other people to this conversation. Today, we thought we'd discuss the one thing that seems to confront all writers at one time or another, and that is writer's block. So welcome back again and again and again, Jeff. Thank you for having me, Steph. Thanks, Tony. In one of the conversations you and I had, we were talking about being stuck. The terrible white page that stares at you every single day. It's 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 a terrible feeling sometimes to yeah. look at it. Yeah. We had um, Barbara Lockhart on the show, and she told me the most horrible story. And I know you guys may have listened to the show and said, oh, that was a nice show. She had stories that had just been sitting unfinished for decades. Wow. Yeah. And just and and she's just like I didn't know what to do with them, and then I dusted them off, and some she still could. She just twenty years later had to just trash them, and others. I mean, she she turned out a very very good book after them, but sometimes the story's not ready. Like sometimes you're not ready, but sometimes the story's not ready. And because I'm arrogant, I always feel like it's the story that's not ready. So I don't have any trouble course, setting it it's aside. Never, it's never Tony's Couldn't fault. Couldn't be me, no. <laughs> Could not possibly that's, be Tony. That's that's the the problem I feel like a lot is that it's it's uh, it's it's a combination of both for me a lot of times that it's both the story isn't quite ready to be told, but also I'm just not there either as a writer or or I haven't been able to figure out where that thing is going. Just like Barbara, I have several dozen stories that are lying with, you know, first and second pages done that have great openings and then they just sort of die and they stop somewhere and I don't know what to do with them. What I do when I'm writing during the week, like for my regular day-to-day job writing, I just make it the end. And for some reason, I have no trouble doing that with stuff that's, again, Deadlines will kill writer's block faster than mm. anything else on the mm. whole planet. Mm. Deadlines know? help a lot. Deadlines <laughs> help a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, that's a that's a, it's a great for me. I'm like, this is a this is a great opening, 
and then I can't get anywhere with it. But guess what? The stories do. So I take it. Pow. Now it's a great closing. How do I get there? Mm -hmm. And that's the way that I solve writer's block on an immediate basis. But on the other hand, I have files and files and files of great starts that I just couldn't bring myself to beat to death anymore. Mm -hmm. So what I'd like to know is how do you decide when to set it aside and how do you decide whether when to get up and take a walk around the block and see what shakes your head out? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure if I know the answer to that because I try to get up and walk around a lot. Uh, I write standing up and that often helps me just sort of keep my mind going if <laughs> right. I'm standing. We talked a little bit about the beginning and I'm not trying to avoid your question, but a, a thought just struck me that there's a, a band that I used to really like when I was younger and I just haven't heard them in a while called They Might Be Giants. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah. and they're, I don't remember what album it was, but they came out with an album the called... The Flood. Uh, well, that was my introduction to them. I didn't know if they but, had but after, album. After the, after the <laughs> flood, after the flood they, had, they had an album called Apollo 18 and, and I bought the CD because this was back when CDs were big and it had like 80 songs on it, which didn't make any sense. How could you put 80 songs on a CD? There are 15 normal songs and then the last like 60 songs are beginnings they're like the first bits of songs that they had and then they just couldn't figure out where to go with them and they got stuck on them and so they just decided to just do little bits of songs i know every single one of those songs and they're all one-liners and i could do them but i won't so that struck me as something that that you could do with them you could take them and turn them into other things a succession of stuff so, writing prompt yes. by Tony Russo. Yes. Oh God, no! Don't. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> Which but I no. think could work, but I, but I think I uh, I tell I, I do a lot of work with the second with with some of the the kids at, at a local elementary school, and the thing that I tell them because it's something that I have watched the kids do, and I do it too. You sit there and you're staring at this blank piece of paper. Either it's physical for them, or it's an electronic blank piece of paper for me. And it's just that cursor blinking at you, and you get, just get stuck. And I tell them to just write whatever, the first thing that pops in your mind, and just start writing it. And for me, sometimes the first thing that pops in my mind is I can't think of anything to say, and so that's how I start. I can't think of anything to say. Mm. And and sometimes if I just write that enough times, then something else comes in my mind, and, and I can I can get going with that. And then I can just erase, you know, I'm okay with deleting the stuff that's not any good. It's just like that first part that just getting started is all I need to sort of get the motor going. Yeah, I think that was for me, like I went through a pretty intense period of writer's block back uh, at the end of last year, I guess this was. And and I just I was working on a story that I'm heavily emotionally invested in. I was sure that I was telling the story the right way. But it was uh, the way that I was telling the story was kind of counterintuitive to the way that I normally would tell a story. But I felt the story deserved a different method of delivery, I suppose. And it took me a long time. It actually took a conversation with Barbara Lockhart. And I'm sitting in her living room on her sofa. And she's like, tell me why you're stuck. Tell me why the words are not coming to you. And I just started saying, it's not working because I feel this and this. And all of a sudden, four hours pass. And the light bulbs are now going off in my head. For me, I think sometimes it's just connecting with another writer and saying, hey, I am completely stuck. This is my problem. How would you approach it? Mm. But of course, picking a writer that I really value their opinion too. That's part of the other thing too. I think that's I think that's really important. When I was working on Masabi uh, Pioneers, I had a lot of issues trying to get started. And one of the things that I realized for the first time in my writing life is that I'd always thought that writers worked alone. You sit alone in a room and you write a story. And I realized while I was working on that, especially during the editing process, 
that writers cannot work alone. You have to find other writers that you can share your work with and just and get input because that was so valuable to me to give my work to other people and have them read it, especially sections of it that I just was stuck on and couldn't figure out how to get the, get it to flow. Right. Talking to other writers was the best thing that could have happened. And you're always, well, I'm sorry. I'm always afraid of being a burden. You don't want to be that guy who is like, hey, read this. Hey, oh, yeah. This, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. We, we know that guy and we don't want to be yes. him. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's always a difficult thing. But it's nice to be able to at least kind of talk it out. One of the things that I can feel myself stopping on, and this is where I wanted to try to tease it out with you guys, is when the end of my writing is coming on, my first thought is, Am I just wasting my time or am I waiting for my next idea? And the moment that I realize I'm having that thought, it's gone. My day's over. Yeah. Are there symptoms for you? I guess is the question. That's, that's a symptom. That's a symptom of the end of my writing day. And when I open up something that I've been working on and my first thought is, are you really here to work or are you just wasting time? I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> yeah, that done. was quick. I don't know if I have any symptoms of that. I, I try to end my writing day before that happens. I will always end my writing day in the middle of a thought. Right. I mean, I will try to end it in the middle of a sentence if I can, because then I know exactly where I can start the oh, next that's day. Interesting. And I don't get to a point where I've just burned myself completely out and I don't want to come back to it the next day. I get excited about coming back to that spot. I'm like, I know exactly where this piece is going. I know exactly <laughs> where this sentence is going to go. And I know I can bowl me forward into the next part. How do you do that? That's like tantric. It is. It's very hard. I could, I could never in a million years. Yeah. Now I'm sitting it's here hard. like thinking, holy cow, that's a brilliant idea. But it but works. I don't. For me, it's it, it works so well. Yeah. Because my, my, my wife, whom you both know, will tell you that if I get distracted in the middle of a thought, I throw the kind of tantrum that like makes the neighbors call the police because I'm like... <laughs> Oh no, now it's gone forever. Like I'm not even I don't I'm old enough now that I don't even kid myself that I'm gonna that I'm gonna pick that thread back up. If I'm in the zone and like the dog barks or someone knocks at the door, if I get any kind of distraction that I wasn't anticipating, I'll just I'll start smacking my head against against <laughs> my chair and she'll be like, so, oh, I guess you lost it and I'll you know, and I'll get up and I'll stomp around the room and Yeah. Um but so so that takes a lot of courage to stop before you're I, I never thought of it that way, but maybe so. I mean, it, yeah, but, it, I mean it, but it works. You're listening to So What's Your Story? And today we're doing a writer's roundtable with author Jeff Smith. My moments are more feverish, but that fever burns out after a while for mm -hmm. me. And I feel like sometimes I'll get to a point where I'm like, oh, I've been at this. I've done a, and, you know, it's like kind of a pat on the back. Like, oh, we're doing a good job here. Let's break. Let's walk outside. Remember, there's a sun out there and come out from the cave and take a walk. So... I try to view it not so much when I'm having a good moment to prevent myself from getting into that. I don't know where this is going. I just sort of try to flip the script for myself a little bit and be like, wow, I did a lot of work. Let's take a reward. And <laughs> instead of like, you know, let's go have a glass of wine and talk to my wife and try to do those things. But I think sometimes the way that I frame the experience of writing determines whether I'm going to get blocked or not. You yeah, know, like if, I, if I frame it up that, oh my gosh, I have no idea where this story is going mm, and I don't yep. know what's coming next and I don't know what I should do. I find that that's when that feeling of the, the blockage starts yeah. within me. Yeah. But if I get to a point, I'm like, wow, Steph, you did a full chapter and you did this, this, and this. Take a break. Go rub your eyes. Take a walk. And good job. Good you. Come back at it another time. 
I mean, it could very well be lying to myself, but I feel like sometimes if I frame it that way, it doesn't defeat. Because I feel like writer's block is starts with that defeating. I th- thought. It totally starts with a self-defeating thought. Absolutely. Yeah. Writer's block starts when you tell your, there, there's that little voice that we all have in our head, that little, I call him an editor, uh, him or her that sits on my shoulder that occasionally whispers in my ear that says, what are you think you're just wasting your time? Yeah. Why are you doing this? And then when that voice hits in, it's like, oh man, you got to like shut it up somehow. That's when I go for a run and then I can usually run him or her out of my head. Yeah. It, no, it's definitely there for everybody. I mean, I don't know. It's probably not as loud for Tony, but, <laughs> but no, it well, I, I, it's a, to it's be, a barking to be fair, dog. I do turn out more crap than both of you put together. Well, you put well, like literal I think the, garbage. The, the, I, operative, I the operative word there is that you turn it out. I mean, I think, you know, something to be said for being able to churn out the words. There's no pride in getting something published when you're also the arbiter of what gets published, right? It's not It's not a big deal. Like if Steph, Stephanie could crank out a book a week and none of us would be very impressed with it because, <laughs> well, she is a publisher, right? <laughs> I don't have an editor for the writing work that I do for the web. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, my, I'm a blogger and I'm in charge of writing stuff. And in order to have quality control, I need to know that there's someone who might say no. Finding someone, as you were saying before, an editor who has some sort of say and who, and who helps you along and says, you know what? I don't understand. For me, I'm fortunate enough. My wife, she's afraid of telling me it's garbage. And I'm like, well, you're my audience. Like if you think it's garbage, then it's garbage. It's garbage. It's okay. Like, but you want somebody to be honest with you. And I think that's yeah. a, that's a hard thing for a lot of writers to do, to be willing to, to share it and to be willing to let go of the, that sort of personal, not connection, but the, the, the yeah. personal, the personal hold you have on your words and say, okay, I'm going to let go of this, this sort of personal hold and say, okay, if it's crap and somebody tells me it's, it's crap, I want to make it better because ultimately I want my writing to be good. I've learned this about myself. The angrier I am about the criticism, the more likely it's right. Mm. Like if oh, yeah. I'm, if oh, yeah. I'm really hurt and really mad, I'm like, Probably right on the yes. nose. Oh, yeah. And so I learned, fortunately, I learned that a while ago uh, when I first started in the newspaper business. So whenever I feel myself getting angry at a criticism, I'm like, well, you know, that's right on the nose. You yeah. owe them a huge thank you because <laughs> you're going to look like a better writer than you are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. Goes along with one of the things I do when I edit, which I don't know if it has anything to do with this, but the first thing I do is go through and circle all the pieces that I like the best and decide that those are probably need to be come out. <laughs> I love my <laughs> it's that that's too close. I like that too much. <laughs> it must not be very good. <laughs> well, I found that um one of the things that does help me with writer's block, or at least feel better about writer's block, is I always go back to um Stephen King's on writing, the memoir of the craft. He basically said, look, like none, not many of you, us are going to be good at it, like really, really good at it, but we can all be the best that we can be. Right. So I kind of take that as I don't have to be a perfectionist. I can kind of let something be as good as I can make it be. But the other part of it is that he talks a lot about the craft, having a toolbox. And sometimes I feel like when I get blocked, I got to go back to the basics. For me, one of the things that has been helpful in curing my writer's block has been going back to the basics, you know, back to word choice, back to sentence structure, like going back and thinking about those things. But I think also like taking a break from my work and then reading someone else's work, especially, you know, that book for me is like, it's just a reminder of like how to do the thing that I can't do. Going back to the, to the beginning, I think helps a lot going back to the basics. I mean, it's when I get stuck in editing, which is where I get stuck more than anything else in my writing is when I go back and try to 
refine it and try to make it better. I can crank out a thousand words a day. I can churn out words like crazy, but out of the thousand, there may be a hundred that are any good. So it's when I go back and actually had to take out the stuff to make it better. That's when I get stuck. And sometimes doing just that, going in and going, okay, let me just try to make this sentence read properly in proper English. And then, and then I can go from there. And that's a good place to start. It's like finding a loose thread. You go back and you're like, oh, look at all the Lees in this paragraph, mm. right? Look at all the commas. Look at all the ands. Let's see if we can make this look like someone who knew about grammar wrote it, mm-hmm. right? right. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, you know why you were using all of these extraneous words is because you weren't being clear. Yeah. And as you bring clarity, the whole story starts to come together better in this paragraph. Oftentimes, I have a lot of success with that. The difficulty that I sometimes has have is... Again, stepping away. And once I start chopping, sometimes it's like, okay, okay, put down the axe, kid. We're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Is that something that you experience? Either of you experience? Oh, me all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's easy to – I like my red pen a lot. It's easy to go too far. I think – I can can edit a piece to death, and I think it's hard to find that balance of when you decide, okay, when when is it just right? When are you just preventing from having to go back to work? Yeah. That was one of the things that I did not learn until very, very recently was when I was having writer's block, when I was getting stuck, it would be like I'd type a sentence, hit delete, go all the way back. So that whole sentence was gone. The thing that I had to force myself to do was instead of hitting delete button, hit return and just go down and start another sentence and just just keep Mm -hmm. going. Because if I'm always staring at the blank page and I'm always staring at that cursor, because every time I write the, I go no. And I, or, you know, I, I start the sentence and I just delete the whole thing back. That was very stymie. That was very like, it felt like I'm staring up at this giant mountain. Whereas if you just kind of start, put something down, okay, instead of delete, hit return, keep trying. I think, uh, I think typewriters help that a lot because yeah. with a typewriter, uh, and I used to write on a typewriter, but with a typewriter, you can't go back and delete it. You just don't have any choice. Once it's in there, it's there. And if something's wrong, you can't go back. You don't go back and delete it. You just keep going. It's, it's the only choice that you have. I, I think love that, typing on I think that helps. I think that helps a lot. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a great short story by Amy Tan called Precious Auntie. She talked about how using a pen was more important because at the time, the pen and the paper were so rare and expensive that you had to make every drop of ink and every inch of paper count. And she was claiming, the character was claiming, that writing got worse because you didn't have to fail because you can always delete. You, you never had to look at something that was awful. So that's, that's one way to go about it. For me, I don't sit down until I have most of it in my head. I try to make it count when I sit at whatever I'm sitting at. Whether you write longhand or when you're whether you're on a typewriter, I there has to be I think a pretty solid line between drafting and editing. Like today is an editing day or today is a writing day, and you have to make that choice. And I think a lot of times writer's block will come from the question, "What am I doing?" Isn't like existential, like what are you doing with your life, but like. What am I doing? Am I fixing? The, am I am I making what I already wrote better, or am I adding to it? Oh, that's a really good. That's a really good good point. Yeah, trying to decide literally when you sit down and look in the paper, are, are you? What are you doing to that? What am I to, that, to, to that work? What am I sitting here to do? Yeah, that's yeah. that's a really good point. I have to give you credit, Tony, because you said one time, 
and I'd never even considered it this way, but it was totally true. You said, I know I'm going to write the same way I know I'm going to vomit. You know, like, and the, and the, what he was saying was like, you know, you sort of get that little bit of nausea and you're mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, that I'm not mm-hmm. feeling so great. I think I might get sick. Yep. And then it kind of builds oh, yeah. and builds. And then finally you get to a point where you're like, I better put myself near a bathroom because I'm really going to be sick. Yeah. Right. So what he was saying at that point was, you know, you feel it building in your mind. You feel it building. You feel it kind of coming forward. And then when it's ready to bleed right out of you, then you sit down in front of the typewriter, a pen, pencil, whatever you've got, a computer, and then it comes forward. And after you said that, I noticed that that really does is how it feels for me too. You know, sometimes I'll go days where I'm just like, if I sit down, I'm just, nothing's going to come. But all of a sudden, like something will start to kind of get in my crawl. And I'm like, yup, I'm chewing it. I'm chewing, it, I'm chewing. It, and here it comes. And so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you credit for that one. Thank you very oh, much. That's a good one. I like I like that. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's that does happen to me occasionally. Oh yeah. So every once in a while, I'll text Tony like I'm getting ready to vomit, <laughs> and I'm like, I have a lot of those on my phone. You like so my I'll daughter? You'll you'll tap him on the on the shoulder at two o'clock in the morning and and whisper it in his ear. If you're like my daughter. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I send him all these. I'm like. Tony, I'm, I'm, I'm vomiting. And he's like, awesome. And I'm just like, if anybody would ever read our text messages about all this vomiting, they'd be like, this is gross. You're listening to So What's Your Story? And today we're doing a writer's roundtable with author Jeff Smith. If we're talking about writing in terms of vomiting, then we're going to talk about writer's block in terms of Ipecac syrup. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I wonder I if... Suddenly get that Family Guy episode in my head. Forcing it ever helps. I've been struggling with a particular story for weeks. And last night I sat down for 15 or 18 whole minutes. And then after a while, I'm like, you're wasting your time. But you feel like that sometimes it might be something worth trying to force. No? Yeah. I don't know. Cause every time I force it, it never, it never works. I think, I think, you're, I mean, I think there's a certain amount of forcing that you can do, but I think if it comes to a point where you're, where you find yourself just beating it too much, then maybe, maybe it is the story. And so maybe it's a good idea to step away and work on something else. One of the things I do is I try to have multiple, I I mean, I don't necessarily always have like multiple projects in like final stages, but I always, I mean, I always have lots of ideas that I want to work on. And, and I usually have a story that I'm trying to finish and a story that I'm trying to start Mm. and be it starting. Like I'm actually starting writing or maybe I'm just sort of in the planning phases for it. But if I ever get stuck, I mean, that's where I am right now. Uh, and on the second Masabi book, I'm kind of I'm kind of in a stuck place trying to get that story finished. So I have this other play, musical, that I'm kind of involved in that I've been enjoying that process and writing on that. And so that has helped me get me unstuck. And in that process, I've actually had some better ideas about how to work on uh, my Masabi story to get that going better. So maybe sometimes the helpful thing is to sort of step away and work on something else for a little bit and and to sort of not not get you in a place where you feel like you have to force it. Well, I would argue that that is very true because um, I'm a creative nonfiction person by trade. That's sort of my comfort zone. But I also have a fiction project that I'm working on. And, it, and so I kind of keep the two going in tandem. And that way, when I run out of steam on the creative nonfiction story, I can flip over to the fiction story and then I can just let my imagination go. Because in the creative nonfiction, I'm pinned down to the facts and what actually happened. And I can't just rewrite the whole thing because it's an actual story. It's an actual event. So I kind of flip over to the fiction and I can make characters. I can do all mm-hmm. these different things and be really creative. 
then when I kind of get to the point where that's running out and I'm like, I don't know where that's headed just yet, then I can come back to the creative nonfiction story and be like, okay, I'm rerouting myself in the facts, the details. I would agree with you. I find sometimes that just kind of moving sometimes between projects refreshes. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a certain synergy that can happen between, I love that word, that can happen between you to work on multiple projects, kind of like reading multiple books at the same time, which I also like to do because it's great to find connections that I don't think ever were there, but you find connections in your own head when you're working on different projects at the same time. And maybe you see one thing and you were talking earlier about when you're planning to write and we're puke writers. What do you mean by planning to write? Is, um, it, is it just in your head or is there like a I have, I have I have a sort of gestation of an idea in my head that I've sort of started to jot some notes down. And once the idea, I, I, it has to sort of work its way in my head, kind of like you, but the whole thing doesn't have to form in my head. But I have to, I have to get some sort of more solid idea of what a story is going to be at least ultimately sort of bigger about mm-hmm. and then i start to write down some character ideas and and flesh out various characters and then plots and where the story might go that kind of stuff and i do all that in my journal because one of the ways i solve my writer's block is by writing every single day for 15 minutes i get out my pen and the first thing i do at five o'clock in the morning is write in my journal and at least i'm writing something down every day and usually those things are whatever story idea that i i'm working on right now we were talking earlier about getting back to basics. I was pitching a magazine article earlier today to a larger magazine. They have like a, a submission page. And the story is most of the way done in my head. I've already done plenty of the interviewing and, and like the research. It's ready to go. I can turn this idea into 3,000 words in four or five days. And it said in one sentence, what is your story is about? And I'm like, all right, well, maybe I can't turn it. In. I have no idea. <laughs> one, like literally, I said, how about two sentences? Oh. And no, one sentence. Yeah. I was reminded of that trick absolutely just today like what is your story about not don't tell me write one sentence that says what this story is about because if you can't think about it more i mean i i got the sentence because i i read the story is ready to go but the trope of finding one sentence that describes what you're doing is something that i've heard about but i never took seriously mm. until this morning and i'm like yes that's an excellent idea it reminds me of the story my dad used to tell my dad was in advertising for many years and so he was always about marketing things and trying to find a way to market a story and when we used to talk about writing and he would say when you're trying to find that gist of a story you, you want to boil it down like a hollywood writer pitching an idea to a producer and they don't care about the big story they don't care about all the characters they want as fewest words as possible tell me what this story is about in as few words as possible and he said the best example he could come up with was this danny devito arnold schwarzenegger twins (laughs) (laughs) that was that was his best pitch idea which is a pretty good one i mean i think if you were a producer i'm pretty sure it actually worked yeah (laughs) to boil a story down into into the smallest pieces possible i think is probably a way i try to do that in my head at least even even if it's on a paper i try to have it in my head before i actually start writing a story because if I don't have it on my head before I start, then the writer's block is going to come in. My editor's going to pop up and say, why are you doing this at all? Yeah. Do you know what happens when you boil an idea down, but then you make it rhyme in a certain way? I bet you're going to tell us, Tony. It can turn into a limerick. Oh, or a haiku. <sighs> So if you guys send us a word, um, we will send you back a haiku and a limerick. 
just go to so what's your story podcast.com and click on the contact link and from there you'll have the opportunity to just shoot Stephanie and I an email and we'll get your word we'll get all your contact info I will make Tony make it a limerick I'll make it a haiku and then we're going to write it on a postcard we're going to stick a stamp on it and drop it in the old tiny mail it's a lot of fun I've gotten one myself it's a you've lot gotten of fun. two in oh, okay. house. well I got one my wife got a separate one yes yeah. but anyway thank you for all of you who have already reached out we're having a great time and one of the fun things you can do if you choose to is um, we do also have an Instagram account which is also on the website it's uh, it's so what's your story podcast on Instagram you can take a picture of your postcard when you get it and tag us in it because we, we would love to we would love to see that we know we're sending them but we're not sure that you got them and we don't want to make you our like prisoner pen pals of any way no and we're also on Twitter at SWYS podcast alright well and now Stephanie this is the part of the show where you thank the guests hey Jeff thanks for coming back again and we'll have you back soon it's been a pleasure being here thanks for having me Steph thanks Tony so what's your story was recorded at Saltwater Media an indie book publisher in Berlin Maryland visit us at so what's your story podcast.com where you can find past episodes guest bios show notes and all sorts of fun stuff you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and if you like it then feel free to give us a great review Tell your story.